Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Lakes Free Church this morning. We're so glad to have you here today. If we haven't met, my name is Jason Carlson. I'm the senior pastor here at Lakes Free. And uh, we are so excited today. This is a very special day for our church family because uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing here this morning is honoring and celebrating our graduating senior class. Yeah, give these uh, young men and women a big round of applause. We're so thankful for uh, this great group of students. Uh, we are so blessed to have had them in our church family over the years, and it's just been great to see the way that God has been at work in their lives and, and growing them both physically and spiritually, and uh, we're excited to see what God has in store for each of them. This morning, I wanted to uh, take the opportunity to introduce each of them to you, so uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to pass the microphone down the line, and if you could just real briefly share your name with us, and then tell us any plans that you have here after graduation. And, uh, and then we're going to pray for you guys. So go ahead and just pass this down, and we'll take it from there. So. Awesome. Uh, my name is Noah Pino. As of right now, I am going to the University of Northwestern to get a four-year uh, criminal justice degree. <clears throat> I'm James McCauley, and I will be going to St. Cloud State and studying journalism. I'm Madeline Welsh. I'm also going to University of Northwestern to study Spanish and engineering. I'm Aaron Heckman, and I'm going to Palm Beach Atlantic University for a double major in sports broadcasting and journalism. My name is Malachi. I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota, and I'm undecided on my major. My name is Jill. I'll be going to Bethel to study biology and play golf. I'm Katie Marquardt. I'm going to University of Minnesota Duluth, going in as undecided but leaning towards journalism. I'm Carly Meather, and I'll be going to St. Kate's University to study occupational therapy. I'm Owen Fasty, and I'm going to Iowa State to study psychology and minor in criminology. And I'm Justin Otto, and I'm taking over for Jason. Jason, thank you so much for covering for me. Guys, give him a round of applause for helping me out. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Well, at least we put our best face forward with Jason and these beautiful grads. Hey, on behalf of the church, the student ministry, as Jason already said, we're so proud of you guys. And uh, we are blessed to know you and we're blessed to know and see where God leads you in the future. This morning I wanted to share a quick article that someone in the church recently gave Pastor Jason and then he passed it on to me. And I thought it was very relevant uh, to where we're at right now and where you guys are heading out to. So this one is actually addressed to parents, but I want to read it as a challenge to you graduates and as a challenge to us as a congregation and how we can be praying for these students specifically. So bear with me as I read this uh, for, for these graduates. It says, don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they are going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith and knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful or disheartened by the state of the world but hopeful that they can do something about it. 
Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. God knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Raise, rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniel's, David's, Esther's, and Peter's. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of a world. He has an army he's raised up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God has placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. You were born for such a time as this. Let me pray if you guys would join me as we pray for our graduates. Dear Heavenly Father, we just give you praise and glory this morning for each man and woman standing here and for those graduates that weren't able to join us this morning. We are proud of the accomplishments that they have made, but we are more excited and expectant for what is coming in their future. Father, we ask that they would put you first and that they would see this world as an opportunity to serve you and not as a scary place that they need to fear. They were raised for such a time as this. God, help us as a congregation to pray for them specifically with that charge, that they would go and be light in the darkness, that they would go and make a difference for you. God, bless these graduates, bless the days ahead, give them rest, give them peace, and Father, would you also just give them hope for the future that you have for them. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please give a round of applause to the class of 2021. You guys, we are blessed to know you, and we thank you, and we're proud of you. You may go and have a seat. Before the worship uh, starts this morning, I do want to talk about one more awesome opportunity we have this week. We have a team of 30 heading to Lake Charles, Louisiana, to do uh, hurricane relief this coming week, June 19th through the 26th. We are going, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the news at all this year, but the, lar the strongest hurricane hit Louisiana this past, this past year, and specifically that Lake Charles area. If you've been paying attention to the news this uh, spring, you'll see that Lake Charles has flooded multiple times because of continued storms and uh, rain that has hit that area. Our team of 30 is go are going to do whatever God calls us to do, whatever task it is that they assign to us. Uh, I ask that you guys would pray for our team, that you would pray that they would uh, go with a heart to serve, to grow in their relationship with God and with each other as a team, that God would put specific relationships in our path that we need to have with the people there, and that he would really use us for his glory. Um, as I pray, I want to pray again for that team and pray for our service, but I'd like our uh, if there's any team members here this morning that are going on that trip, would you please stand? Are there any team members here already this morning at 8.50 in the morning? <laughs> Awake? I see some pointing in the uh, upper level. All right, there's at least one up there. 
Well, I'm excited for the trip. I'm excited for uh, the opportunity to serve alongside these students, and I'm expecting for what God's going to do through them. If you would join me with, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this mission's opportunity to go and serve at a time where many doors have been shut this past year. We thank you for the opportunity to walk through this door and go and make a difference in the Lake Charles area. We pray that you would go before us, that you would set up uh, intentional moments to share the good news and the hope we have in Jesus, and that you would help us to serve with all of our hearts, and that you would help us to persevere. We thank you so much for this uh, congregation and their prayers and support as we've prepped and now as we go next week. God, thank you for your goodness, and thank you that we have the ability to go and love other people. Use it for your glory. And Father, for our service this morning, I ask that you would just be glorified through this time of worship and through Pastor Jason's message, that you would speak to our hearts, that our hearts would be open to what you have. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be together as one body this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Isn't it good to worship the Lord together on Sunday morning? Let's, uh, let's give the Lord a big round of applause today. Man. I don't know why we even bother with the sermon. We should just keep going with the worship. That was good. That was good. But as we know, there are many ways that we worship the Lord on Sunday. And uh, of course, we worship him when we go to his word and study his truth that he's revealed to us. And so we're going to do that here in a moment. Uh, first thing I just want to mention today, again, just welcome. Thank you for joining us today for worship. Uh, I'm Jason Carlson, the senior pastor here, if you missed my introduction earlier today. And uh, we are just so blessed to be here on Sunday mornings worshiping. It's so good to see uh, so many people each week coming back to church again. And there is just nothing like being a part of the fellowship of the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. I uh, just wanted to share two things with you. Speaking of the fellowship of the body of Christ, number one, uh, we had to cancel a couple weeks ago our Pizza with the Pastors event. This is a special event we do a few times each year where we uh, have a lunch here at church where we invite people who are new to Lakes Free to come and join us and we provide pizza and we have just a short time of introductions of our pastors and staff and give you a chance to ask any questions you might have about our church. Well, we have rescheduled that for today. So uh, if you were intending on coming to Pizza with the Pastors a couple weeks ago and, and missed, out, missed out on that, we want to invite you to join us today. And if you haven't RSVP'd for that, we still want to invite you to join us today. So this is going to take place right after our second service downstairs in our fellowship hall. Whether today's your first day here or maybe you've been coming now for a couple months or more and you're just looking to take those next steps of getting connected. We would love to have you join us for lunch today uh, downstairs in our fellowship hall following our second service. And then the second thing I just want to mention real briefly. Uh, Justin shared about some exciting things happening in our student ministry. Uh, we also are really excited for this coming week because we are going to be hosting VBS, Vacation Bible School, here at Lakes Free. We have 160 kids registered for this week. And uh, church, I'm just going to ask you, I want you to be praying with me that God would move in a powerful way this week here through our Vacation Bible School. We're really excited about uh, what he's going to do and all the kids he's brought us, and we're anticipating the Spirit to work in some powerful ways. So please be in prayer this week. Well, let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing over our time together as we go to, go to his word. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us, and uh, it is just such a joy to be together, to sing your praises, to worship, to fellowship. And now to have a chance to study your word together. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the many good things happening in our church family. We're excited for our seniors who are graduating. Lord, I echo Justin's prayers that you would bless them. We want to pray for our kids who are leaving next week on their mission trip to Louisiana. Bless them, Lord. Lead them, guide them, go before them. And may that be a powerful time in their lives as they get the chance to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. We also, Lord, pray for our church this coming week as we host Vacation Bible School. And we're so excited to just see the life and the energy here in the coming days. And we want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move powerfully in the lives of these children who are coming. Use our leaders, use our volunteers, use the programs. And we just pray that in all of these things, you would be at work bringing glory to the Father as these young people have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that hearts would be changed for all of eternity as a result of what takes place here this week. 
And now, Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word this morning, we just pray that you would open our eyes to your truth, help us to have a greater appreciation for all that you have promised us, and uh, I just pray, God, that you would, uh, would bless our hearts as we get a chance to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever studied a foreign language? Anybody ever study a foreign language, maybe in high school? Or... I have always been intrigued by foreign languages. I, I grew up traveling all over the world and been to 30 countries, and I think as a result of that, I was just always fascinated with, with learning new languages, new words, new phrases. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if you've ever known this about me, but I actually speak five languages fluently. Did you know that? I, I, it's true. Uh, South African... Irish, uh, uh, Canadian, Australian. I mean, you know, I mean, it's amazing, right? No, I'm just teasing. I actually do speak a little bit of Spanish, un poquito, and uh, took three years of Spanish in high school, and that has served me well in some of my travels over the years. But if you've ever studied a foreign language, one of the very interesting things about learning uh, a new tongue is the opportunity to, to study vocabulary. You know, when, when you start getting into all the grammar and all the rules, it, it gets tricky, but it's just fun learning new words, right? And, and having the opportunity just to be able to identify things and say things in a, in a new language. Well, as Christians, we have our own unique language too, we have our own unique vocabulary and unique words that we use in the church that, that maybe other people don't readily recognize. And, and there's some fun and enjoyment of learning some of these new words as Christians. For example, we use words in church like theology. How many of you know what that word means? Theos, God. Ology, the study of, the study of God, right? And so we, we learn these terms. We learn terms like Christology, Christos, Jesus Christ. So Christology is the study of Jesus Christ. We have other words. How many of you know the word soteriology? Anybody know that one? Soteriology. Pastor Rick raises his hand, of course. <laughs> soteriology is the study of salvation. How about ecclesiology? Ecclesia, the church, the study of the church. Or, of course, we have eschatology eschatology the eschaton end times the study of the end times we're going to do a series this next year eight weeks on the end times it's going to be terrific but then we have words like pneumatology pneumatology the word pneuma means spirit or wind or breath pneumatology is the study of the holy spirit and it's this word, pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to begin to look at more in depth today and next week as we look at Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit. If you remember where we are in our sermon series right now, we're in John chapter 14 into 15 today, and we are in what is called the upper room discourse. Jesus is less than 24 hours away from the cross. 
and he has just spent his, his last supper, his last Passover with his disciples. And here in the upper room, he is sharing with them his final words of encouragement and instruction before his arrest and his crucifixion because he wants to encourage their hearts in the midst of what is this tumultuous period where, where everything they've known over the last three years is suddenly being turned upside down. The one they thought was going to become the new king over Israel has just told them that he's going to be betrayed and crucified, and, and everything they expected is now changing and shifting beneath their feet, and, and Jesus wants to encourage them. And so he shares in this upper room discourse some powerful words. These are words of encouragement that even today, 2,000 years later, still apply and can encourage us as his disciples. Today, we're going to look at one of Jesus' greatest promises, his pledge to send the Holy Spirit, a pledge that, again, is available to every one of us here as Jesus' followers. And it's because of the Holy Spirit, like we're going to see today, that even us, 2,000 years later, as followers of Christ, even we have the ability to experience and live the supernatural life. This is what we're going to be looking at this morning, the supernatural life that Jesus promises us as we experience the Holy Spirit's power within us. We're in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15 through chapter 15, 17. This is a longer section this morning. I want to read this. Because I was sick with COVID for a couple of weeks, we had to condense a couple sermons into one. And so this Sunday, we're going to be compressing these two sermons into one here today. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will, <clears throat> excuse me, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see, see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, 
But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. What an incredible passage. Great words from Jesus. Man, we could have spent a whole year just studying this passage alone. But, but here in, in this great word of encouragement to his disciples, less than 24 hours before his crucifixion, Jesus reveals to them the reality of the supernatural life that's available to each and every one of us who live and walk in a relationship with him. Jesus, in our passage this morning, I want to highlight for us three three key things that we learn about the supernatural life here in this powerful teaching. What, what does the supernatural life look like? Well, number one, Jesus tells us here in our passage in verses 15 through 24 of chapter 14 that the supernatural life is a life filled with divine power. A life filled with divine power. Our passage opens with Jesus revealing the doorway to experiencing the supernatural life. It's found, friends, in loving submission to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Look at what Jesus says in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's Jesus talking about here, friends? Jesus is talking about a personal relationship with him. You see, when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship will be expressed in two things, love 
and obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. How do we fall in love with Jesus? We fall in love with Jesus when we recognize who he is and what he's done for us. When we recognize our sinfulness and our rebellion against our holy creator God. And when we come to realize that Jesus, God in flesh, came to reveal himself to us. And to provide a way through his shed blood on the cross for us to be forgiven of our sin and reconciled to God. When we remember and encounter those realities, it causes us to begin to love Jesus in response to all that he's done for us. We can't help but fall in love with him. And friends, as you know, when you fall in love with somebody, you want to serve them. You, you want to you care for them. You want to respond to them in love. And it's the same thing for us. When we follow Jesus and we follow, fall in love with him, we desire to, to follow him more. And so we, we learn to trust him. We learn to walk in his ways. And as we trust him and as we begin to obey him, we soon begin to discover that his will and ways really are the best for us. And so as we learn to trust and obey, we desire to do that even more. And so this is, again, this is all about what a personal relationship with Jesus looks like. We fall in love with Jesus, and then we long to obey Jesus because we discover just how good he truly is. This is the entryway, Jesus says, to a supernatural life. Love and obedience. But let's look at what Jesus says next in verse 16. What results from our love and obedience to him? Jesus says in verse 16, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, friends, this is one of the greatest promises you will ever encounter in all the Bible. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he is going to give you another helper to be with you forever. To to understand the significance of this, we need to break down this statement, another helper. I I want us to take a look at this in the Greek. What what does Jesus mean when he says we're going to have another, another helper? Well, in the Greek, friends, there are two words for another. One word for another is heteros. Heteros, uh, another of a different kind. This is where we get our word in English, heterosexual, right? A heterosexual is another of a different kind. So I'm a man. A heterosexual relationship is a man in a relationship with a woman. She is another of a different kind. But there's a second word for another that's used in the Greek, and that is the word alos, alos. And alos means another of the same kind, And this is the word Jesus uses here. I'm going to send you another helper. Jesus is saying this other helper who is coming is going to be one of the same kind. In other words, you're not going to have any deficiency here. I'm leaving, but another helper is coming, one who is of the same kind, just like me. He's going to be a real personal presence living within you. No deficiency here, okay? I'm sending you another of the same kind. Now, this is important for us to understand, friends. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a who, not a what. 
A lot of people get this confused. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force, right? This isn't like Star Wars, may the force be with you. No, Jesus is saying, look, if there is another helper, one who is like me, who is coming to be with you. There's no deficiency in this exchange. So this other helper, Jesus goes on, we, we, we need to look at what is this helper that he speaks of. The word helper in the Greek is the word paraclete, or in this, this passage, parakletos. And, and in this word, parakletos can be translated as helper, counselor, advisor, intercessor. Parakletos is a combination of two Greek words, para, which means alongside of. So this is where we get our English word parallel from, right? It's alongside of something. And kletos, called. So, so this parakletos, this helper, is one who is called alongside of us. So think about this. Jesus is saying, look, there's another helper coming, no deficiency. He's going to be a personal presence in your life. He's going to come alongside of you to be your helper. Now let's look at what Jesus says about the difference that this helper makes in our lives. He, he shares four things about this helper who comes alongside of us. Number one, Jesus says the helper is our truth revealer. In verse 17, he calls the helper the spirit of truth. Now, now what does it mean that the helper, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth? Well, the, the Apostle Paul illuminates this reality for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at what Paul says about the helper, the spirit of truth. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, so Jesus says the helper, the Spirit of truth, actually helps us discern the truth of God. And, and there's a difference between the natural person who doesn't have a relationship with God, who doesn't have the Spirit within them, and the spiritual person who has the Holy Spirit within them. They comprehend the truth of God in very different ways. I've seen this many times over my years as a pastor. We have people who come to our church. They're seeking. They're looking for truth. They're, but they're not currently in a relationship with Jesus. And as they sit and they listen to our sermons and as they join our discipleship classes, some of the teaching is hard for them to understand. And a reason for that is because they don't have the spirit of truth within them who helps to illuminate the reality of God's word. I remember my brother here, Rick Fee, a number of years ago when he started coming to Lakes Free Church. And Rick came as a natural man. He wasn't transformed by Christ. He didn't have a relationship with Christ, but God was drawing him, and he was sitting in our discipleship classes, and he was asking great questions, but, but he was having a hard time comprehending these truths. But over the course of a year of discipleship, Rick came to faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came and lived within him. And over the years, the Holy Spirit has increased his understanding of God's will and God's ways and God's word. And so today, he has a whole new comprehension of these things. 
And this is how it works for all of us. When the spirit of truth comes, he illuminates the truth of God's word for us. The second thing Jesus tells us about this helper is this helper is the guarantor of our adoption. The guarantor of our adoption. I remember a few years ago, I had some friends who were foster parents of a young man. Uh, He was a teenage boy. And this young man had grown up in foster families his whole life. He had been passed around from one family to the next and, and had never had a genuine sense of belonging in his life. Well, my friends ended up adopting this young boy, making, them their, making him their son. And when they went and they shared the news of his adoption with this young man, he couldn't believe it. Like, like he literally couldn't believe it. He didn't believe it was true. And my friends had to show him the official letter from the state the letter declaring that he was now their son. And it was that letter, that official declaration, that in this young man's eyes was the guarantor of the reality that he now belonged to a forever family. He had parents. He had a home. And in the same way, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the guarantor of our adoption. Look what the Apostle Paul says about this in Romans 8. The Apostle Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Jesus says that he will not leave us as orphans in verse 18. We are not orphans. And as followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living within us as the guarantor of our adoption. Thirdly, Jesus tells us this helper is the means of our regeneration. Jesus says in verse, eight, verse 19, because I live you also will live. The life he's talking about there is new life, to be reborn, to be regenerated. That's what regeneration means. It means to come back to life. Very interesting. One of the most popular genres in movies and television shows over the last 20 years have been horror zombie movies. Are you aware of that? If you go on Wikipedia and you look up a list of zombie movies, in the last 20 years, you will find there were over 200 zombie movies made. Just in the last 20 years. One of the most popular television shows over the last decade has been a cable channel program called The Walking Dead. A story of a zombie apocalypse and a small band of survivors. Now friends, you have to ask yourself, why are these shows so popular today? I think it's because they strike a nerve with our deepest human longing. Our desire for a real and abundant life. You see, we we as humans, we inherently recognize that something's not right with this world. That, That something's broken within us. And that this world doesn't offer anything that truly and ultimately satisfies And in the end, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're not all that different than the walking dead. Just going through our motions, our monotonous routine day after day. 
with no ultimate meaning, no ultimate purpose. I think, friends, this is why our culture resonates with the stories of human survivors struggling to hold on to some kind of meaningful existence in a world of the walking dead. But you see, here's where the good news of the gospel makes all the difference. Jesus offers us life and life abundant. And this life comes through the life-giving, regenerative power of the Holy Spirit who can awaken even the walking dead. Look how Titus puts it in Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works we had done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, new life, and renewal that comes through who? The Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus says to us, because I live, you also will live. When you trust in me as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to send you another helper, and this helper is going to come, and he is going to regenerate you. He's going to renew you. He's going to give you new life. Fourthly, Jesus says that this helper is literally God within us. Look what Jesus says in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now here, this is incredible because Jesus is promising us the triune fellowship of God actually will come and make his home within us. So, so, so now this gets even better because now we're not just talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, we will come and make our home within you. We have the divine creator of the universe living within us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. When I was in high school at Eden Prairie High School, we had an intramural broom, broom ball league in the winners. And uh, there was a team in our broomball league that was notorious. They were called the Lynch Mob. And uh, this team was a bunch of ex-athletes. They were just big, tough guys. And basically, broomball was an excuse for them to go out and party and drink, and then they would come to the games just basically to fight people. Okay? And, uh, and no one wanted to play the Lynch Mob because they just went and beat people up. And, uh, and the lynch mob had been taunting the team that I was on for months. Like, come on, you cowards, you chickens, you got to play us. Well, well, our senior year, a new kid had moved into town. I got to know him through football. He became a friend of mine. His name was Leroy McFadden. And Leroy was as tough as his name sounds. In fact, Leroy was so tough that uh, not only was he a star football player at Eden Prairie, but the year later, he got a full-ride scholarship to Michigan State to play football. Well, I invited Leroy to join our broomball team. <laughs> Friends, I'll tell you what, when our team stepped on the rink with Leroy on our side, we had great confidence when we stood up against the lynch mob. They didn't give us any trouble when they saw Leroy McFadden. And you know something, friends? Jesus says the all-powerful God of the universe is not only on our side, but he's on the inside. 
You know, you can walk through this life with great confidence because you have the divine power of God living within you. Do you know that confidence? I hope you do, friends. So Jesus says that we're filled with this divine power. But secondly, now in our passage, as we move into 25 through 31 of chapter 14, Jesus goes on and he shares that this supernatural life is a life blessed with divine peace. A life blessed with divine peace. One of my favorite places in the world is uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon. I've had the privilege of teaching there each spring at Ecola Bible College. And uh, I love going to Cannon Beach. One of the places you can visit is Ecola State Park. And there at Ecola State Park, you can stand up on the cliffs overlooking Cannon Beach. <clears throat> These cliff sides with 200, sheer foot, 200 feet sheer foot drop-offs down into the ocean. A lot of times there in the Pacific Northwest, the storms will come in off the Pacific and the wind is just ripping and the waves are crashing and, and the rain is pouring down. I remember one day in the midst of a storm like that, I was standing on the side of these cliffs and I looked down on the cliffside and here was this tiny little bird in his nest, nestled in the cleft of the rock. And while the storm was raging all around him, this little bird was at perfect peace. Friends, who among us here wouldn't like to know that kind of peace in our lives? When the storms are raging and the waves are crashing and the wind is ripping and the rain is pouring, when the trials and tribulations and heartaches of life come, we all long for that kind of peace. And you know something? That peace is available. It's available to each of us when we, too, nest our lives in the rock of ages, our great and faithful God. We can know that peace. Jesus tells us here in our passage that this peace is available as we rely on the helper within us and the resources he's given us. Here in verses 25 through 31, Jesus makes us two great promises as a result of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. He promises comprehension and comfort. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the truth of God, verse 26, so that we can know the peace of God, verse 27. Now, friends, look at It's no mistake that these two concepts are connected like this by, by Jesus. He says, look, at, you're going to be given through the helper the knowledge of God, the comprehension of God, and through the comprehension of God and his word that the helper will reveal to you, you will come to know the peace of God. The peace of God comes as we know the word of God. King David in Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Have you ever been lost in the dark, friends? Maybe in a place you didn't know and you were caught in the dark and there weren't any lights there to guide you and you're just kind of fumbling your way around. Or maybe even at home in a place that's familiar when the power goes out and it's dark and, and you're kind of stumbling through the bedroom looking for that light and, and, and there's a sense of concern that comes over you. But then you find that flashlight or that candle and you turn on the light and suddenly a sense of peace comes over you, doesn't it? Well, friends, this is what Jesus promises us here in terms of how God's word works in our lives. You see, when we're grounded in God's word, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will illuminate his truth for us. 
And as a result of comprehending God's word and growing in God's word, we will experience the great peace that comes from God's word. And I want you to notice something, friends, here. Jesus says that the kind of peace he gives us is not a worldly kind of peace. I don't give you as the world gives, Jesus says. The world offers lots of things that it claims will lead to peace. You know, if you, if you just make enough money, or if you have the right job, or know the right people, or have the right relationship, you'll have peace. <clears throat> but as we all know, friends, the, the things that the world promises lead to peace don't truly satisfy. But Jesus promises us a sure and solid peace, a peace that really satisfies. But see, here's the key, friends. While we all long for that kind of peace, if you want to know the peace of God, you must first have peace with God. And peace with God comes from accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, trusting in him to forgive you of your sins, experiencing the renewal of life that he brings when he sends his Holy Spirit, the helper, to come and live within us. It's then that we experience this incredible divine peace. So Jesus says we have this divine power, we have this divine peace. But now thirdly, in chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, he talks about the helper bringing a life abounding with divine produce. When I was in high school and college, I spent eight years working at Driscoll's New Market in Eden Prairie. And uh, one of my favorite things about working at the grocery store was working in the produce section. I used to love working in the produce section, stocking the fruit and vegetables. And, and I, you know, I used to love filling these bins and piling them high. And, and it was just such a sense of satisfaction, you know, seeing these fruit bins abounding with fruit. And friends, this is the same kind of experience Jesus wants us to have in our lives. He wants to experience a life abounding, overflowing with spiritual fruit. What is this fruit? Well, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit that Jesus wants to see us abounding with. Now, now, how do we experience this fruit in our lives? How do we cultivate this fruit? Well, Jesus says there's two keys. Look at verse 5 of chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So Jesus says, look at when we abide in him, that's when we experience fruit. Now, interestingly, if you read verses 1 through 17, what you'll find is Jesus uses the word abide here 11 times and the word fruit here 8 times, and they're almost always used together. So in other words, Jesus says, look at abide, fruit, abide, fruit, abide, fruit. Friends, do you think Jesus was trying to tell us something? What was he saying? He wants us to understand, look at no root, no fruit. If you want to experience the fruit of God in your life, you need to abide in him. What does this abiding look like? Well, friends, to abide in Christ is 
to experience fellowship with him through the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer and worship and fellowship with brothers and sisters. This is what it means to abide in Christ. Now understand something, friends. The world, the, our flesh, our fallen nature, the devil, all of these things are constantly fighting against our abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ doesn't come naturally. We need to work at it. We have to work at abiding, staying close to Christ. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Philippians chapter 2. He says, work out your salvation with, <clears throat> with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good purpose. So, so look at We abide and God provides. It, it's a twofold purpose here. We have to strive at abiding and as we strive to abide in Christ, remain close to Christ, he begins to produce his fruit within us. But you can only experience that as you abide in Christ. And as we abide in Christ, friends, our lives will increasingly become ripe with divine fruit. And the chief fruit that the Lord highlights in our passage this morning is the fruit of love. It's no surprise that chapter 15 ends with, or uh, our passage ends this morning with Jesus once again bringing us back to the theme of love. Because as 1 John chapter 4 tells us, God is love, and he wants to reproduce his love in the lives of his people. He is love, and so he calls us to live out his love. And as we abide in him and he produces his fruit in our lives, our lives will be characterized by the Holy Spirit's divine fruit, the chief of which is love for others. I invited my friend Christina Pino to come this morning and share with us a faith story. Some of you know the Pino family. Uh, Nathan and Christina and their boys have been living down in Panama in recent years, working with youth with a mission, with YWAM ships, working on the Mosquito Coast, unreached people groups on the various islands of Panama. A couple weeks ago, Christina shared an update in her newsletter that I thought, man, what a great illustration of the supernatural life that God produces in us and through us. And so, Christina, I asked you to come and share. Would you please welcome my friend Christina, one of our missionaries? Thank you. So we ended 2019 celebrating a sweet ministry, um, a sweet time of ministry with our kids' clubs. We developed deeper relationships with the kids and their families. But a few weeks later, in January of 2020, we were shocked to discover um, that we had been robbed by those kids and um, their families. We had the opportunity to sit and talk to Hector, one of the boys who scouted our property for the robber, and offered our forgiveness a step of obedience on our part because we certainly didn't feel like forgiving him or his family. The theft impacted us to the core of our desire to remain and serve these people. The families continued to come over with various needs, and every time I would see them coming up, I would have a, like, that visceral gut reaction. I wanted nothing to do with those kids or the grandmother, yet the Spirit kept telling me to serve them and love them. Only because I love my Lord did I obey and treat them with kindness and respect. We kept wondering how God was going to redeem this situation, wondering if we were just another gringle they were taking advantage of and asking God what was the point of all this. Fast forward to two months ago. We have had several DTS outreach teams at our base for the first time since COVID hit. 
The Lord has been working in the hearts of the over 40 kids that have been coming to these kids clubs. The most astonishing thing to me was watching God continue to work in the boys who robbed us. God often asks us to do the unimaginable. He asks us to lay down our lives, serve one another, forgive, and love our enemies. The last one is the hardest, in my opinion. Revenge seems so sweet and satisfying, and as the enemy of our soul pokes and prods our hearts to curse our enemies, God's word tells us to deal with them in another way, to love them, bless them, feed them, and clothe them. Hector has been, been spearheading the gathering of kids from all over the bay. He will often sit right, to Nathan, right next to Nathan on the boat as they drive around picking up kids, it came as a delightful surprise to hear that one of our students prayed with Hector a few weeks ago to receive Christ. Yet this is not where the story ends. That alone would be amazing, but God often supersedes our expectations. As Hector works with Nathan to round up local kids, he also keeps an eye on those who need medical help. Hector often brings wounded kids and adults to our base in search of medical care. Last week was no different, but this one had the potential to cost Hector and his family a lot. He approached Nathan in a rather quiet and sheepish way about a prima, a female cousin, that had very bad infected cuts on her feet. Hector asked if Nathan would come to her house and help. Nathan didn't hesitate and grabbed his medical bag and life vest. Hector guided them to the mangroves to where she lived. As Nathan approached the landing, he thought to himself, I think this is where Benito, which is Hector's uncle and the man who actually robbed us, lives. A jumble of thoughts and questions filled his mind as he started the short walk from the boat to the house, including the question, what if I run into him? Run into him. A million times in the past year, we have played out that scenario in our minds. Would we wrestle him to the ground, throw him in our boat, and bring him to the authorities? As Nathan continued to follow Hector along the path, a very dilapidated house came into view. The roof had multiple holes, barely covering the interior, providing minimal protection from the elements. There were no walls, and a sheet was hung in the back to provide a bedroom where he was located. As Hector went in, Nathan could hear him arguing in a low voice, begging somebody to come out of the bedroom. After a few minutes of arguing, a young man hobbled out of the room with his head hung low. He did not make eye contact, and at that moment, Nathan knew exactly who this prima was. It was Benito. Benito was tense and nervous, and in Nobe culture, when someone wrongs you, you fight it out. And so ben Benito logically feared retaliation from Nathan. Following the robbery, many neighbors and the police even suggested we retaliate in some way. To them, this was the only way for Benito to learn his lesson. At that point, Nate wasn't looking for a fight. He remained calm and began to assess Benito's wounds. As he began to wash the mud off Benito's feet, he couldn't help but remember the night in which our Lord and Savior likewise knelt to wash the feet of the enemy about to betray him. Now it was Nathan's turn to wash his enemy's feet and bind up his wounds. Benito flinched under Nathan's hands a few times, especially when Nathan drew his knife to cut the gauze. God really has a sense of humor. It was a hard moment just walking away from a young man from whom there was an arrest a warrant. But as God's word poured over Nathan's heart, reminding him that he had died for this broken shell of a man, and it was enough for Nathan to lay it to rest. This man had already visibly experienced the weight of shame and loss and, and loss of dignity. After robbing the base of its money, he was, buying, he was seen buying beer, and shortly thereafter, he himself was robbed of all the money he stole. Pray with us as the Lord continue to, continues to move in his heart, and may this moment in time be a powerful lesson for him. Pray also for Hector. As Nathan and Hector walked back to the boat, Nathan wanted to make sure that Hector knew that he knew who that man was. 
He turned to Hector and asked him, who was that? Hector shook his head and looked at the ground. And two more times, Nathan asked Hector to say his name. Finally, as Hector stared at the ground, he whispered the name Benito Morales. Nathan turned to him and said, I know. We know, God knows, and both those boys know. And in a culture where you retaliate against those who do you wrong, the Lord gave Nathan the strength not to. Instead, he found the strength to do what God commanded in John 13 and kneel down and wash his enemy's feet. Amen. Isn't that good, friends? I thought that was a great illustration of the supernatural life that's available to each and every one of us when we put our trust in Jesus and the helper comes and lives within us. You know, here's the thing. You don't need to be a missionary in Panama to experience that reality in your own life. It's available to you when you trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. When his spirit comes in and begins to produce his fruit in your life, as you abide in him and the Lord provides and that fruit grows in abundance, your life will begin to naturally overflow with that divine fruit. And when that happens, friends, that's when God's spirit moves in powerful ways that change communities and changes the world. So I want to encourage you this morning, abide. Abide in the vine. Stay close to Christ and be trusting and expecting God to do powerful things in and through you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the great joy and privilege that is ours in knowing you personally, having you live within us, having your empowerment to walk in, in faith and faithfulness so that we can show the world a testimony of your reality alive within us. Thank you for the fruit that you produce within our lives as we trust in you and as we walk in faith and obedience. And Lord, we want to hear more stories like that here in our own congregation. We want to hear stories. We want to see miracles. We want to see the reality of the impact that can be made when Holy Spirit-infused people, people who have your divine presence within us, people who are renewed by your life-giving power begin to move in faith and faithfulness and see you do incredible things through us. Lord, we want to see and celebrate more of those great stories. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you. Help us to stay close to you. Help us to abide in you. And may you do a powerful work in us and through us for your honor and glory. Like Jesus says here in our passage, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Lord, help us to bear that fruit to your great glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, I'm gonna invite you to stand for our benediction this morning. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a blessed week, friends. Abide in Christ and move in his power. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. 
There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.